Welcome to the Fearless Mom Podcast. Fearless Mom is a shame-free, guilt-free, judgment-free community of moms who are doing our best to set our kids up for their best. We know you're busy, Mom, so we don't want to add to your already long to-do list. We just want to help you be intentional in what you're already doing. This season will help moms better understand themselves and their children as they embrace the responsibility of raising up children who become resilient, courageous, and hopeful adults. We'll talk about everything from the value of daily rhythms and routines to creating your own family boundaries with technology. And rest assured, we most definitely will laugh along the way. It is our theme verse after all, Proverbs 31, 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. This is Julie Richard, and I'm so glad that you are joining us on the podcast today because we have a special guest on the Fearless Mom podcast. We have Andy Andrews. Andy is an author, a speaker, a consultant. He does so many things, but you know, in our world, we would lift up his role as husband and father. And he has so much to give, so much to offer to our Fearless Mom audience. So Andy, we are so glad. Thank you so much for being with us today. Julie, I am I am thrilled to be here. I, you know, it it is cool to be with you and Fearless Mom. But I, I mean, I consider 20 minutes to get a talk with you just a, a bonus in my life. You, you're too kind. You are so, so kind. And I wish, and maybe next time we'll do it, we'll have Polly on too and Mac. I don't know. We'd have to stretch it if we were all <laughs> four on. Yeah, I'm not sure we could cram that in. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, And I appreciate it so much. And I want to jump right in and get going to share some of your wisdom. I say all the time, and our Fearless Mom audience is used to hearing me say, I am not a therapist. I am an enthusiast. And so (laughs) you, I gave you a lot of titles, author, speaker, consultant, but you have also been called, what what would you say? You go ahead. A, a A professional noticer. That that really kind of blends everything I do into one. That's that's what gives the stuff I do some value is noticing things that other people may miss. Okay, and I'm going to add, you notice things that people may miss, and you communicate them in such an incredible way. Well, my prayer uh, for a, a long while has been, God, help me understand things that you want your people to understand, that if they did understand, they would live the lives you want them to live. And give me simple ways to explain complicated things that are confusing people. I love it. I always say, God, help me to see things clearly so that I can explain things simply. Yeah, and I, I believe that's what you do. And so I am so grateful and I've learned so much. And actually, if you are a fearless mom um, follower and you've been following us for a while, odds are you've heard a lot of Andy's insight because I repeat it. I share it a lot and um, <laughs> I am I'm oh so grateful. But I, I want to jump in with one of the other roles that you played. At one point you were doing comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was a a comedian for a number of years. I toured with Joan Rivers for two years. I toured with Kenny Rogers for five, with Cher, with Shaka Khan, 
uh, Randy Travis, Dolly Parton, a ton of people. So you've done a lot of comedy. And in your book, The Bottom of the Pool, you discuss the value of, you talk about how important laughter is, how important a sense of humor is. Now, why do you feel that way? I, I think that people are drawn to a sense of humor. I, I think that uh, a parent who can communicate with a sense of humor has an advantage with not just their own children, but with attracting the children, their children hang around. You know, every every group of kids wants to be around the funny dad and wants to be around the, the mom that blends and has a great time with them, but is not intrusive. And so I, I think that a sense of humor, it, and it's something that that we need to develop. You know, it, it's we all have these people who who, you know, for years as a comedian, people would come up and say, man, my cousin is so funny. My, you know, my uh, brother-in-law is so funny. He should be a comedian. And I would, I would always go, yeah, yeah. But, I, but I'm thinking there's a big difference in being funny at the dinner table for, you know, your family just off the cuff. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And a big difference in that and in doing it on purpose and getting the laugh every time. And so there is a skill to develop. I mean, some people may have the talent to be funny, but, you know, I'm I'm an introvert. And I had to work at developing that and knowing how to do it. So it is a skill that can be developed. Absolutely. And, you know, really, humor, comedy only comes from a couple or three places. It comes from what is the exaggeration of this? What is the opposite of this? who is aggravated by this. And those are pretty much that, you know, you can track almost every piece of comedy. I, I think that there there's an easy one, an easy one that parents can write their own comedy with. You know, when you have, have kids that get upset with, you know, I, I can't believe it's so cold. I can't believe it's so cold. Or they start whining or whatever. And, and to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, it is cold. But at least it's raining. (laughs) But, you know, I do think we don't take advantage of humor as much as we can to diffuse situations. Right, right. And I, I do believe laughter in the home communicates safety and ease to children. It diffuses, like I said, any tense situation, of course, with wisdom. We, yeah. we, you know, use it not as a defense mechanism, but as a tool. And, and you know, one great way to develop that with your children and develop that with uh, your spouse is to listen to listen to a comedy thing. Listen to something or or watch something, some funny thing on YouTube or whatever, and then have the discussion. Why is that funny? Why, why, why did we laugh at that? Why did we think that was so funny? And then you can begin to spot things ahead of time and begin to set up the things to get them to, you know, I I mean, there are so many setups. When when the boys were little, I would do things like this. I would say, I would say, man, I wish I had a steak, a baked potato and a pot for. And one of them say, what's a pot for? To cook the steak and baked potato in, <laughs> you know, it's it just just silly little things and silly little make, things, but silly little things that create connection. 
Right. Right. It creates connection, but it requires um, parents being aware and intentional. I do think. And, te- and, then, and, then, and then teaching Adam to say, hey, now, when Austin comes in, say, Dad, do we, do we have a pot fork? And I'll say, you know, I'm not sure, buddy. Do you want me to check? And I said, we can talk about it. And Austin will ask, what's a pot fork? And then you can say, it's to cook in. Yeah, so you just trade it all around, get them to trick mom with it, to, you know. Yes, but teaching them to incorporate humor and find right. humor. I do right. think it's a skill. And I, we say all the time, like, just watch funny movies together. Watch a funny show. Have right. a joke book at the table. Any opportunity to laugh. We, we taught the boys that, I mean, that was something that, that I was just serious about. I was serious that it was not going to be serious. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, uh, and one way I knew it had worked, right, it, that I just saw it manifest is one, one day Polly was getting on to Adam. And she, she was, and he was like smiling and coming back with these little things. She said, Adam, two wrongs do not make a right. He said, that's true, but two rights can make an airplane. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that's my boy. That's right. <laughs> it's working. It's working. That's so excellent. I love it. So you you do a lot of corporate events, and but you also talk a lot about family. And one of the things that I remember you're saying to me, we were talking one time, and I, I think the four of us, I think it was Mac and Polly, and you know, I think we were all eating, and you said something about responsibility. Teaching kids responsibility empowers them with hope and control. I think I'm quoting you right. Tell me, yeah. tell me if I'm yeah, not. That, tell me what what no, you. That, that's exactly right. And I think that's something that a lot of people never connect. You know, we, we talk to kids about responsibility and take responsibility and have responsibility. And it's a word we hear. You can't watch a sports program or read a newspaper or see the news without hearing the responsibility word. But I don't think we understand it as we should, because I, I believe that if, if, if we understood responsibility, we would have an economy that was kicking on all cylinders. We would have relationships that worked all the time. And and to to help children understand that, you know, the way we talk about responsibility, it seems like a burden. You know, you just, hey, you take out the garbage, make your bed, take responsibility. You know, it sounds like a burden. But if we really help them understand that responsibility is about hope, and control. Who doesn't want hope for a greater future that you can control? Because, but but if you if you blame, you know, if you blame the weather, if you blame your brother, if you blame your mom, if you blame the economy, if you blame the president, you know, there's there's not a lot of hope there because you can't control any of it. Yeah, I mean, if 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 where I have ended up in my life really is the fault of the president of the United States of America, I might as well jump off a cliff now. Because what am I going to do about the president, whoever the president happens to be? But but if I can look in the mirror and I can say, you know, I've had some crazy things happen to me. I've had some tragedies happen, and I couldn't control any of them. But I have made choices 
in response to those crazy things that have led my life right down a path to a place I don't like. If we can understand and believe that, it, that's great news. Because if we can understand and believe that we can make choices that will lead us to a place we don't like, doesn't it just make logical sense? We could also make choices that will lead us to a place we do like. And that's what responsibility is about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Thank you. It is, though. It is about understanding. And we call it an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. Locus meaning the center of control. and. Right. Over the years, the study that has been done about external locus of control as our generations, as you know, people have moved toward external locus of control, anxiety and depression has risen. Yeah. Because the less control you feel you have over your life, the more anxious you are. And like you said, you lose hope, which is the definition of depression. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at a situation. Maybe maybe you're in an argument with somebody or maybe you disagree with somebody about something and, and it's causing problems. You know, I, I have many times I've been in situations like that where where I've thought, OK, I, I hope this is me. I, I hope this is me, because if it's me, I can do something about. Yeah. Them. Yes. I can do something about me. If, if it's them, what am I going to do about them? I hope this is me. Let me figure out me here. And that's responsibility. And I do think sometimes, though, there are circumstances. Well, we know, I don't just believe there are circumstances that are beyond our control. And we find ourselves in situations that may be the result of someone else's choice or someone else's decision. And right. so at that point, we say, I cannot control others or my situation, but I can always control my response. Right. And and that's where forgiveness comes in, but that's a different conversation. But again, though, responsibility to forgive. I, I think it still goes back to hope yeah. and control because I can always control how I respond. There will always be things outside my control, but I can always respond to them. Right. The responsibility seems to be the center. It seems to be the traffic light in the four-way intersection. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Uh, it's, it's a pretty significant one. Someone told me one time, you know, just based on what they know about me and my family, and as looking back, I definitely agree. That was maybe our top core value that we were taught. Faith was significant. It is significant. That's really the foundation. I wouldn't even list that as a, a value for our family. It would be a, a foundation. But responsibility and, you know, doing our part and assuming responsibility for, well, we're doing a series right now in Fearless Mom, Own Your Happy. And taking yeah. responsibility for your own happiness, your own, you know, create the life you want to live. See, that that is perspective there. Yes. I, you know, I have people, I, I talk about that a lot because, you know, if you ask somebody, what is perspective? Most people would say, well, it's how you see something. It's how you see, do, do you see the glass half full or half empty? It's how you see something. And that's only partly right because perspective you know, if you, if you look at the glass, the glass is not, it's not half full, it's not half empty. It, it just is what it is. So it turns out the perspective is how you choose to see it. And how you choose to see it sends your life on one path or another path. Perspective is the only thing that can totally change results without changing a single fact. 
You know, if you if you look at that glass and say, that's half empty, man, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to us. Well, you know, think about the things that that creates. You know, you, you sit on the couch, you know, you, you, you whine, and when you whine, you feel worse. And and nobody really wants to be around glass half empty people. They don't get promoted. They don't get hired. They're not chosen for leadership positions. And, and you know, pretty soon you go down that path and it really did. You were right. It turned out to be the worst thing that could have happened. But then there's a way you look at that and you go, listen, I wouldn't have chosen this, but hey, you know, how many, how many times do we not know what's going on? It turns out great. This could be the best thing that happened. Okay. And so then you're living your life there looking for how how this might benefit us, how we might navigate this. And, and of course, people are attracted to somebody who's who's doing that. And they, and those, you know, glass half full people are the people we hire. They're the people we promote. They're the ones that go to leadership. And so they, they, they extend on that path a little bit. And, and pretty soon they were right. It turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened. I'm going to ask a question about that, like we did about the sense of humor. So if perspective is that significant and is not just how you see the water, how you choose to see half empty or half full. Is that a skill that can be developed? Absolutely. And and honestly, so few people understand that, that just with the explanation I just gave our audience, they may have already developed that skill because now they go, wait a minute. I didn't know you. I, I didn't think about the fact that you could choose. You know, people mistake perception and perspective. Perception is how you perceive the moment. It's how you perceive. Your perception is what is, but your perspective is how you deal with what is. You know, whether you choose to see what is half empty or whether you choose to see what is half full. And when you think about how many times in our lives we've had these things we would have never chosen in a million years, and they turn out to be great, and we go, God, you remember that day that happened? We thought, oh, my gosh. And, and then, look, none of this would have ever happened if it hadn't have been for it. And so you can intentionally go on that path and make those things happen faster because the faster you see them, the faster they're they're brought into your life. So... Not only is a sense of humor something that is important that can be developed, but also perspective. And your the differentiation between perception and perspective is fascinating to me. Again, because I think it gives hope and control. I love it when we look at something and go, this is a skill that can be developed because many people will look at either you're an optimist or a pessimist. You naturally see things half empty or half full. And I think, well, whether your tendency is toward one or the other, may be interesting, but you get to choose what you do from this day moving forward. Yeah, you may you may have a, a, a tendency to do something, but your choices override any tendencies. Oh, so, sorry. Can you say that again? Well, you may have a tendency to do something, but your choice always overrides a tendency. The choice overrides a tendency and your perspective... Does your perspective determine your choice or your choice determine your perspective? Your choice determines your perspective. You make the choice to see a thing as this way or this way. Because remember, the glass, the, the, the water line of the glass is what it is. 
Right. It just is what it is. It's not half empty. It's not half full. And so how you choose to see that determines which path you get on. I love it. Again, giving hope and control. That is something I can choose. That is something I get to determine. No matter what happened before today, today I get to choose my perspective moving forward. When we have time, I can tell you some great stories about choices that were made in perspective by groups of people that how one group went one way, one group went the other way, that perspective is the only thing that can totally change the results with the exact same fact. The facts never change. We're excited to welcome counselor, author, and speaker, Dr. Henry Cloud, to the 2023 Fearless Mom Conference in Austin. Dr. Cloud wrote the best-selling book, Boundaries, as well as Boundaries for Marriage, Boundaries for Kids, Boundaries for Dating, and many others. His book has been life-changing for me, and I can't believe he's going to be with us. You can get more info and register at fearlessmom.com. Be sure to use the discount code PODCAST to save $10 on your registration. That's fearlessmom.com. Is perspective different from or the same as mindset? Mindset is a current vocabulary word that people, you know, growth mindset is Carol Dweck. And we talk a lot about in Fearless Mom, we talk about the combination of a growth mindset, which is Carol Dweck, um, the value of struggle. Um, if you see things as fixed or within your control, that's a growth mindset combined with a God mindset that says not only will you make mistakes and learn from them, but God will use them. And so a growth mindset plus a God mindset equals a fearless mindset. And I have on occasion flipped those words like it's it's actually your perspective it's your viewpoint it's how it's not just how you look at one thing it's how you look at everything and how you respond how would you compare those two words perspective and mindset i think i think a mindset is is something that you want to fix i think a mindset is something that you, you want to get rolling along a specific pattern. But I think a perspective is a constant exercise in intentional choice. Mm -hmm. There are things that happen that it is absolutely logical to think this is the worst thing that could have ever happened in our life. When the oil spill happened years ago around here, I mean, the word was, this was not going to be cleaned up for generations. That this place would not be the same, you know, for years and years. And so naturally the perspective is this is the worst thing that could have happened to a beach community. And so there were people that literally locked their doors, left the key in the door, and just moved to Birmingham. And and just, I mean, they just left and just gave their stuff back to the bank. They just left. And and there was, you know, there's a huge charter boat industry here. And so those charter boats are generally, those guys are making their payments on those boats and that's their business. And, and um, you know, there was no fishing. There's no, they weren't allowing tourists down here. And so there's no fishing, but the notes to these boats are, have to be paid. And Austin and Adam went to school with a little kid that her daddy was a charter boat fisherman. And he crawled up in the top of his boat and shot himself. 
was the worst thing that could have ever happened. And that is that was his perspective. But then I had uh, some more friends. One of them was named Chris Eberly. That they, you know, I, I had just said, hey, we got to look for things that can be done. This is a perspective. We can sit around and complain, or we can use our imagination and you know, let's use some what if powers here, and because this could be the best thing. That happened. Now, of course, when you say that, sometimes people look at you like you're an idiot. I mean, how right, could right, this right. be anything but the worst? But what Chris uh, Eberly and a couple of other guys did, they were charter boat fishermen, fishermen, and they they said, you know, peep, tourists are being kept off the beach by the National Guard, and people are coming down here in droves, and they've told us that we cannot fish. But nobody ever said we couldn't take anybody in the boat. And so we'll have environmental tours. Now, they can legally fish six people out of a boat, but they don't limit how many people you take on a boat ride. And so they're getting 20 bucks a pop for, you know, packing people on the boat. And they would take an hour drive, come out of the marina and go, if you look on the left, you'll see oil. On the right, here is, is oil. And up ahead... If you notice that, that's oil. And they'd do that for an hour and take people back. They were thrilled and load up another. And so as as this thing got cleaned up, now Chris and these guys are going, man, we were making more money doing that than we did fishing. Uh And we're using less fuel. And my life is easier because I'm not beat up at the end of the day. But now the oil is getting cleaned up. And so what they decided... They said, you know, people always got fascinated. They would, they would just go crazy when they would see dolphins. Let's do a dolphin cruise. Let's just do, and that's where these dolphin cruises came from around here, it, because nobody was doing that until and the now oil they're spread. huge. They're huge boats with a million people on them. Yeah, and Chris has a, this thing where um, he guarantees if you don't see dolphins, you don't have to pay. Well, he always gets paid. Because uh, in the morning, he sends his 12-year-old boy out in a skiff with a walkie-talkie. And as Chris is pulling out of the marina, the kid says, Dad, the dolphins are down around Bear Point. And Chris, okay. And, I mean, they they can find them. Brilliant. Brilliant. It turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened for Chris. You know, people look at hurricanes and they go, this is the worst thing that could have happened for everybody. Well, not for Home Depot. Not for Lowe's. I mean, if you if you roof houses for a living, we knew people who roofed houses. They made more money in a year than they've made in ten. Oh, oh, for sure, it, it, for sure. Look at, at how we're communicating right now. Look at Zoom. All right from the pandemic. Yeah, COVID was pretty good for Zoom, wasn't it? Or or Netflix. Or, yeah. yeah, there there are several several industries that benefited. You know, several businesses businesses and others that figured out how to benefit from. Max says that even about wartime, you'll see the businesses that thrive during wartime. And we've got you know we got this economic downturn happening, and people go, oh, "This is the worst thing." Listen. This is number one. This is just, it's a normal part of our lives. In my life, I have actually lived through nine recessions. Since in in the past 90 years, there have been 13 recessions, which is one every five point something years. And then 
If you look at 2020, our country set a record because it was the first decade we had experienced without a recession since the Great Depression. And so when you look at that, you realize, hey, America's always in a recession, coming out of recession or going into a recession. And that's just the way it works. And if and if you look at it, there are things that you can do because the recession's just a dot on a graph. My perspective is it's a dot on a graph. And there are companies that are not doing well. But to balance that out, there are companies doing well. There are companies going out of business, but there are companies that are doing better than they've ever done in their life. And, and the thing is, when you look at that as a dot on the graph, you realize our educators and people in general only teach one side of the graph. If, if you study about the Great Depression, the only thing you hear about is bread lines and people diving out of windows on Wall Street. And nobody ever says that was the one time in American history where more families made fortunes that lasted forever than at any other time in the history of Western civilization. The, the idea that it's a dot on the graph is you remember, you can look at this side of the graph, you can look at the other side, and you can figure out how to navigate that. You know, when the Great Depression started, Chrysler was had 9% market share. When the Great Depression was over five, six years later, they had 34% market share and had passed forward. And so there are things that you can do during tough times to set yourself up for the future. But the key, the people who do um, benefit are those who have the perspective of, I cannot control what is happening to me, but I can't control and do something with the circumstance that I'm in and how I respond. Yeah, I do. I, I think perspective changes everything. I love any any study, any concept, any truth that says this is a choice you can make because it doesn't matter your personality, your experience, your exposure. What matters is what you do right now. Hey, you know, we talked earlier about choosing to teach humor to yes. children. And I'll tell you another choice that you can make, that anybody can make. This is not a talent. This is a skill. And it will change your life. And if you teach your children this, you just look out, okay? Because they they will be rulers of the universe. Um, And that is smiling while you talk. Now, I didn't say smile a lot. I said smile while you talk. It's something most people don't do, even when they're telling jokes, Okay, because most people have this face that they use, this kind of serious, just nothing face. And then if they tell a joke, they'll laugh, you know, then they'll go back to their serious face. But if 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 you learn to smile while you talk, people have a hard time saying no. You know, you, know, you just smile while you talk and, and people will find themselves smiling back at you. And then you get good at it and start throwing that little nod in there. And you'll see people smiling and nodding. It's like they can't say no to nothing. They'd like to, but they can't get their head they to go. They can't that way. say no. And I, I told Polly years ago, I said, if, if I teach these boys to smile while they talk, I mean, I'm telling you, they're going, the teachers will love them. The other kids will be attracted to them. And I'll tell you, they both got good at it. But Adam was so good at it that he would use it on me. I knew he was using it on me, and it would still work. It was still work. (laughs) That is excellent. So humor, a uh, perspective of, you know, I can assume responsibility for how I respond to the situation and smiling when you talk. Okay. 
So now you've taught your boys a lot. What would you say if I asked you, what is the most valuable concept or truth that you and Polly taught the boys? Because how old are they now? 23 and 20. 23 and 20. So they're adults. Yeah. Austin's 23. Adam's 20. And they're doing well. What would you say? What would you tell a young mom? What would you tell young parents that they have young children? All right. The most important thing we taught our boys, the most valuable concept or truth that we taught our boys is this. I think I think it's two different things because I think it was one as they were younger and another one as they were older. When they were younger, hugely valuable thing that we taught them was that they would find what they look for, that they needed to look specifically for situations that they, because I, um, I, and I remember one time driving the boys to school, they were in elementary school, right, you know, second and fourth grade or whatever, and they were grumpy, it was morning, it was, and I said, hey guys, you know, when you, when you get to school, just remember you 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 don't choose to be happy here, right? Oh, Dad, you you always say things like that. You oh, Dad, you you know you you just think we can just. And I said, well, I do know that you can see what you look for. I said, here's here's what I want you to do. Um, right now, tell me everything that you see that's red while we're driving along. Everything. Why are you, just tell me everything you see that's red right now? Oh, this stop sign. There's a, there's the fire truck and. Mm, that that lamp post. Okay, now close your eyes. Close your eyes. Both of you close your eyes. All right, I want you to tell me everything that we passed that was yellow. And they had nothing to say. And I said, okay, open your eyes. We passed a lot of yellow things. We passed a yellow Volkswagen. We passed that that sombrero on top of Sam's. We passed the yellow. And I said, we passed a lot of yellow things, but you didn't see them because you were only looking for red. That is so good. And so you can find what you look for. But the other thing that was very, very important to us when they were young, and I, I said several times, I'm going to make sure that before these boys are out of my house, they are going to understand that they can choose how they act despite how they feel, that they can choose to act in one way despite how they feel that they they were created with a will that was stronger than their emotions. And, you know, Polly was having a hard time getting them up for a while. And, they, you know, said, get up, get up. And, oh, I can't oh, give me five more minutes. I can't. You know, it's just this awful thing. And so, you know, Polly would come out of the room exasperated. And so one night I, I got the boys and I said, hey, guys, you know, this is not really cool that you're uh, causing mama so much stress in the morning because you you can't get up happy. Now, no, wait a minute. I said, because you can't get up happy. That, that wasn't correct. It's because you don't get up acting happy. I said, now, I wouldn't even, because I'm expecting in the morning for you to get up when mom calls you and with a smile on your face and happiness in your voice. And, and I would not just throw that on you and say, I expect it. If I didn't know for a fact you could do it because I've seen you do it. And, you know, when we go to the hunting camp and, you know, mom's waking you up at 630 at the hunting camp and, and mom comes in and goes, wake up and wake up, guys. OK, let's wake up now. She's real sweet and soft at the hunting camp. 
you know, when Uncle Sandy comes in the room at 4.30 in the morning and slaps the light and hits the wall and says, good morning, fellas. You get, good morning, Uncle Sandy. And I mean, you're up, you're happy. And don't you love mama more than you love Uncle Sandy? And so, so you, you can choose how you act, despite how you feel. But those were, those were young. I, I think the most important thing we taught them in their teenage years was you can't believe everything you think. Okay. You know, that, sound, that, no, that sounds No, I'm kinda... thinking about it. I've heard you say that, and I love it, and I've repeated it. I, I think I've given you credit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the, way, the best way I can explain that is, have you, have you ever known something? I mean, you knew it, you could argue it, and you could win the argument every time. And then you found out, like a year later, ooh, that wasn't exactly right. You know, my information was a little incomplete, right? And so if you've ever done that, does the possibility exist that something you know now, your information might be incomplete? And you would say, well, Andy, of course, something I know now, my information might be incomplete. Okay, I agree. But the point is, we don't know what that is, do, you? do we? And we don't know how many subjects that may cover in your life. There's a, a whole world beyond what we know. There is... Uh, a group of people that are very successful, and, and this is this is more a danger to people who are in first or second or third place or the top of some. It's more of a danger for them than it is for anybody else because it, it, the biggest you, you know we all want to reach our potential, our God given what, what God said. This is the potential of this human being. We all want to reach that. Well, the biggest danger to reaching your God-given potential is not what you don't know. Because when you don't know something, you keep reading, you keep asking, you keep looking, you keep having conversations. But the biggest danger to reaching your potential is what you know for sure. Because you've decided and you're not looking, you're not listening. Oh, that 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 definitely reminds me. And I'm sorry that we have to close out because that definitely reminds me of your book and the the literally the main illustration of the bottom of the pool and the winner of the contest and Kevin Perkins. That's so excellent. Uh, well, Andy, thank you so, so much. I am so grateful that you are sharing your wisdom with our Fearless Mom audience. I'm so excited that you are going to be at the conference in February. And I can't wait. I'm excited for you to share your humor. We Our um, theme for the conference is Own Your Happy. So assuming responsibility for your happiness and um, mental health. And so uh, you fit into our lineup beautifully. And then we, you know, work really hard on giving practical parenting tools. So moms walk away energized and recharged, but also with tools in their tool belt. and. Those those strengths just play right into, you know, your strengths that you have to offer in that way are going to benefit all of our moms so great. So we're excited to see you in February and we thank you for your time today. Thank you. Can't wait to be with y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fearless Mom Podcast. Through every conversation, every practical tool, and every moment we can point a mom to hope, We are so honored and grateful to share it with you. And if you're loving these conversations, let your friends know. Tell them about the Fearless Mom podcast. 
It's the best way for moms to find out about our show. Also, we'd love it if you'd share a review or maybe leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And find us on Instagram at fearless underscore mom to stay up to date on all things Fearless Mom on all news and all events. We'll see you next time. And remember, Mom, you're not alone. We're all in this together.